Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10 tonight, Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew 10, the Lord Jesus Christ is giving his, uh, I'll turn this on, giving his uh, disciples some instructions life and ministry, and particularly in the area of being a witness and being a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, verses 24 down through 42. Uh, so let's all stand together, if you would. And beginning in verse 24, we'll read down through the, the end of the chapter. Uh, verse Verse chapter 10, verse 24 says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, I come not to send peace, but a sword, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a, a man's foes shall be they of their own of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you uh, asking you to give us a blessing, give us some encouragement, give us a rebuke, whatever it is that we need this evening from your word. Lord, you've called us to be witnesses just like you called the disciples 
to be witnesses. You've called us to be a witness. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we take a look at some attitudes and some expectations that we ought to have when we go and open our mouths for you and tell other people about Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to, to see what it is we're to expect and what kind of, what kind of spirit and attitude that we ought to have uh, as, as we tell other folks about Christ. Uh, Lord, we're, we're living in a world that is, is not got, has, does not have open arms to the Savior. In fact, in, in most cases and in many cases, uh, there, there's antagonism that, that's out there. Uh, help us to, to look beyond that and to see, see way, way past that and uh, help us to get our, our attitudes and our expectations in the right place tonight. We ask, Father, that you would speak to our hearts Give us something from your word that will help us and encourage us along the way. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things I've noticed in Scripture as you go down through, particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus talks about witnessing and he's sending out the disciples and he's telling them to speak up for him and speak up about him, he doesn't, he doesn't really uh, give techniques he doesn't give uh, you know, three points in a poem. What, what he gives is he gives and explains uh, two things, really, what they ought to expect, and then secondly, what kind of attitudes they ought to have in return. And, and those are the things that are, that are really the most important. And just simply opening up their mouths and telling other people about Christ, which is what God asks us to do. So what I want to look at tonight is I want to look at, at four, four, four things. These things are attitudes and expectations that we ought to have this next year when, when, we, when we speak up and tell other people about Jesus Christ. One of the things that we need to, we need to realize is that all of us have the responsibility of telling those that we come in contact with uh, about the gospel. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that just simply means everybody that, that we come in contact with, we have a responsibility too. And we need to, to realize that it's not, you know, it's not just it's not just a certain group of people's responsibility. I remember years ago I was talking to a, a fellow, this is out in Green Bay, and uh, and I was speaking about evangelism and about soul winning and about witnessing and and uh, he made a comment. He says, well, you know, just some people have that gift. And I don't have that gift. And so God does not expect me to do that. I said, whoa, stop. Hang on. Uh, I realize some people are better at communicating the gospel than others. Some, some have a, uh, uh, do have a gift of communication that way. I said, but understand, it doesn't depend upon the gift. It depends upon the command. And the command is that all of us go throughout the whole world, everywhere that we go, and we tell people about Jesus Christ. And when, when Jesus is speaking to, to his disciples, uh, the, it's the attitudes and the expectations that he emphasizes. Notice, too, in, uh, in verse 24, the first verse that we that we began with verse 24 he says the disciple is not above his master 
nor the servant above his Lord. Um, this is what our position is. First, first of all, we're disciples. Uh, a disciple is just simply a, a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, says that we're servants. And that's just a, a laborer, one who, who serves God. So with that in mind, he addresses four areas of importance. And the first one is, is found in verses 25 down through 31. Look with me in verse 25. It says, It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, uh, for there is, is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that's speaking in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. First thing that he does is he, he warns of, of fear and, and really speaks to their, speaks to their attitude of, of apprehension. Uh, in verse 25, he says, listen, if, if they're going to call, if they're gonna call the, uh, the master uh, Beelzebub, they're going to call you names too. Uh, they're going to threaten you just like they, they threaten me. Understand the servant's not above his master. And then in verse 28, he tells them, he says, listen, don't fear people. Instead, fear God. Um, our, our fear of God destroying a man's soul and sending a person to hell for all eternity ought to, ought to really overshadow any fear that we would have of circumstances or situations that we're, that we're up against where we, we have a tendency to be apprehensive and, and to hold back, uh, I, I found in my own life, and I found this, this just true in general, that when we pull back because of fear, we're really not focusing on the fear that we ought to have of God, of what God can and will do to this person if they don't trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, you know, I've heard for years now the, the, uh, the excuse from people that are not saved, how, can, how in the world can a loving God, I don't believe a loving God would ever send anyone to hell. Well, that's not true. Uh, he would send them to hell if they reject his gift. And his, his gift is the gift of eternal life. And, and the Lord makes it very clear that he will do that. Uh, he, he says, uh, depart from me, uh, ye cursed into everlasting fire, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, it's very clear that God does send people to hell. It's not an unjust decision that he makes. It's based upon the fact that they have refused to receive his gift. And, and uh, one of the things that ought to motivate us 
It's not the fear of the individuals or the circumstance or the, the, the situation that God has placed us in, but we ought to fear for those people. And if we really have a, a care and a concern for folks, we'll open our mouths and we'll tell them about Jesus Christ because we fear for their soul. Down in verses 29 through 31, uh, he, he, he gives them assurance. Uh, look, look with me in verse, verse 29. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your, without your father? In other words, he notices everything that happens even to sparrows. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And what, what God's just saying there is just simply, he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Uh, you know, be fearful for the, the people that you know that are lost. But don't be fearful of them because your God sees what's going on. He watches. Over, he's the one who gave us the command to go. And so when he gives us the command to go, he's also gonna, going to give us the protection that we need. He's also going to give us the, the confidence and the courage to be able to give them the gospel. Then there's, there's, the second thing he speaks of is he speaks of confessing Christ. Uh, verses 32 and 33. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus there is, is encouraging us to, to confess Christ. And notice, notice the context. If you look down in verse 32 again, it says, whosoever therefore... He's going, back, he's going back to that, that fear concept and he says, and, and the fact that God will watch over you and will take care of you. If he cares for the sparrows, he sure, certainly cares much more for you. And, uh, and he goes back to that and says, listen, God will watch over you. Uh, God will guide you. God will protect you. Uh, God will be there for you. And, and you, you can know that. So open your mouth. Uh, don't be afraid to express your devotion and your, your love for God. Uh, don't be afraid to tell other folks that, that he is your savior. Uh, they need to hear it. You know, and you've heard me say this so many times, but it, I have to remind myself of it. If we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? Uh, if we don't tell them, they're probably never gonna hear it. The only time that uh, I ever heard the gospel in my whole life was when I met Pastor Mullen uh, in 1969 uh, in, on, on the evening of February 19th, and, and he opened his mouth and gave me the gospel. That was the first time I ever heard it. No one ever gave the gospel to me prior to that. And if he had not done it that night, I don't know that I ever would have heard it. There's a good possibility I wouldn't. And, and uh, more and more, I, I, I notice Christians are just holding back and they're, they're, they're keeping their mouth shut. And God says, listen, you need to open your mouth. You need to confess. You get it, need to be willing and eager to confess Jesus Christ and to tell other people. And God will help you. And God will protect you when you do that. And, and notice, too, there is a there is a, uh, a, a promise that's given in verse 32, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, 
him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. That's, that's, that has nothing to do with eternal life and whether or not we're eventually going to get there. Uh, that has everything to do with prayer promise. God says, listen, you be a faithful witness, and when you ask things of me, I'll make sure that I hear your prayers and I, and I answer your prayer. So, so God warns of, of fear and of apprehension and, and tells us that we need to do, just simply trust him. He, he encourages open confession. And then, then he gives them a heads up and he says, listen, here's, here's something that you need to expect. Look down in verses 34 through 39. It says, think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He warns of the dividing nature of the gospel. And he, 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 he lets them know that division is coming. In other words, everybody's not going to get excited and thrilled about the fact that you're witnessing to them. Uh, everybody's not going to get excited and thrilled that you've been saved. And they're, they're not necessarily uh, going, to, going to accept it right off the bat. And, and you, ought to, you ought to have a heads up on that and realize that, that that's probably what's going to happen. Christ is, was, and is the Prince of Peace, but, and his message is one of peace, but the message divides. And not everyone receives that message of peace. When, when Christ came, he said he came and he brought a sword. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us what that sword is. It says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But let me just warn you about something. Make sure that it's the sword of the Lord that's upsetting them and not you, and not your attitude. You know, sometimes we can get, we can get a, a prickly attitude when we witness, or we can get a snarky attitude, and that's never right. Uh, we can get a contentious attitude. When we get, when we get resistance, we can resist back. Uh, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that truth divides. I, my attitude should not divide. It's the truth of God that ought to cause the, the division, that ought to cause the trouble. And, and, and that's something we have to, we have to constantly be on, the, uh, on alert of. Understand that if they start resisting, they're not resisting you. And, some, and sometimes, you know, we, we take it so personal. We, we think, well, you know, I, I have been rejected. No, you haven't. It's not you. Your God has been rejected. And that, that ought to bother you. That, that ought to bring a, a totally different kind of reaction from us. And, and 
I'm convinced sometimes the reason why it doesn't bring that kind of conviction and that kind of response is because we don't, we, we don't care like we ought to care. And we don't look at, the, at, at the, the priority of getting them the gospel. That's the priority. And, and whether they like us or dislike us, whether they accept us or reject us, uh, whether, whether they respond properly or improperly, uh, that's really not, not the issue. The issue is they have a need. And we ought to care enough for them that we're willing to go through whatever is necessary. And he talks, he's talking about here about it, it actually dividing whole families. And salvation does that. Salvation splits families. Uh, my, my folks did not, did not receive Christ uh, and, and did not nece- weren't necessarily overjoyed with the fact that, that I had gotten saved. And again, after I got saved, I thought, man, this is great. This is wonderful. This is the greatest news I've ever heard. And I figured everybody else would be just as excited about it as I was. When I started telling my friends in high school, uh, I did not get the reaction that I expected. Uh, I didn't get a positive reaction. I got a negative reaction. I got called names. And a friend of mine, Bob Hart, who was also witnessing to folks, he got, he got called names and, and so forth. Uh, that's just to be expected. And, and the Lord Jesus said, listen, just expect that rejection. They're, they're, if they rejected me, they're going to, they're going to in, likewise reject you. And, and what is absolutely paramount and necessary is that we love Christ more than we love our families more than we love our own reputation, more than we love what people think of us. We've got to love the Lord Jesus Christ more, and we've got to care more about their souls than, than what, what they might think of us. And, and notice this, down in verse, uh, well, look with me in verse 37. It says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then in verse 38, he says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. That helps us define what a large part of that cross that he talks about in other places in Scripture, where he says we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. That, that, that defines what that cross is. What that cross is is loved ones that we witness to that get upset, loved ones that, that we try to have a testimony before and that, that uh, uh, respond in a negative way. Uh, you, you know, uh, I, I, all, all the time my brother was alive, uh, my brother was very, for some reason, was very antagonistic toward faith, toward religion, toward churches. And uh, uh, he expressed that <laughs> many times. Uh, to me personally, and uh, uh, that that was tough. That was hurtful. But one of the one of the things that kept me going and kept me being a testimony in front of my brother was the fact that I knew he was lost and he needed Christ. He needed what I had. He didn't want what I had, but he needed what I had. And that's the thing we got to keep in the in the forefront of our minds 
in order to, to, to keep us, to keep our desires and keep our attitudes in the right place. Um, down in verse 39, it tells us really what our problem is and how we need to handle it. Verse 39 says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. It's all tied up in context. And what he's, what he's talking about there is, is that, you know, uh, you need to give up your reputation. You need to give up uh, your feelings about rejection and being accepted. One of the things that, I, that I've, I've seen a lot of in churches today, in this, in this day and hour and age, I see a lot of, I want to be accepted by the community. Um, we have a responsibility not so much to be accepted, and, and if they do accept this, that's fine. If they don't accept this, though, because of the message and because of the truth, and we present it in a proper, in a right way, and I, I can't over, overstate that uh, too much. It is so important that we have the right attitude when we do witness and when we do testify of Jesus Christ. We're not better than anybody else, and we can't ever think by the way, if, if, if you start thinking that you've got a handle on something and you're better than somebody else's, you're, you're heading down the wrong road. That's, that's pride. And, and that will get you nowhere. And that will, that will taint your witness for Jesus Christ. Truth of the matter is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, we got that song that we sing around here. And I love that song because it's a reminder. It's a reminder of the fact that I'm nobody. I really am, and you're nobody. We're a bunch of nobodies trying to tell some other people about Jesus Christ, and, uh, and we, we need to, to keep that in the proper perspective. But in so doing, we need to follow his desires and his passions, make them yours. And, and uh, one of the things that is, is Christ's desire is the Bible tells us he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, I have to push the reset button oftentimes in my personal life and say, listen, that, that needs to be, I'm, I'm getting tied up in other stuff and I'm forgetting one of, the re, one of the main reasons why God has left me on this earth. He's left me on this earth just for the same reason he's left you here, and that's to be a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. People need to see Christ in you, and not only see Christ in you, but see that you care and be willing to witness in spite of the division. And then the, the last thing that he, he uh, tells them of is found in verses 40 through 42. And he, he, he lets, lets the disciples know that their position and their task is absolutely important. And here he's talking about representation. Look with me in verses 40 through, through 42. Last three verses uh, of the, of the uh, book of uh, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 40, it says, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that, that loseth his, uh, excuse me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give 
to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. What he's reminding us of is who we represent. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is not here. Uh, he is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. When he was on this earth, he represented himself. But now he's gone. And his re representatives are you and I. And we are ambassadors for Christ. Keep your finger here, but go with me over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians 5, look with me in verses 17 down through 21. 17 is, is familiar to, to many of us. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This is what... God did for us when we got saved. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It says two things there. It says, number one, we are ambassadors. In other words, we, we represent Jesus Christ to a lost world. Secondly, he says that we have a ministry because of that, that position. And our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation, giving them the gospel and tearing down that wall of separation between them and, and God by showing them that, that they, they, they just simply need to receive him as Savior. And, when, and again, this is, this is something we need to, to keep in mind, that when they reject us, they're not rejecting us personally, they're rep they're rejecting he, he whom we represent, and we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not you they're rejecting, it's him that they're rejecting. And so understand, we have this, this ministry of reconciliation. God does not do that on his own. He uses us. We are his ambassadors. And he expects us to, to have a good testimony, to have a reputation that precedes us, so that when, when we give them the gospel, they'll, they'll listen. Now, bottom line is this. Now, he, gave, he gave them all of these admonitions. He talked to them about apprehension, about confession, about division, and about representation. And then he said, listen, I want you to go out. I want you to open your mouth. I want you to be a witness. We need to look at ourselves and say, are we doing the job? Is that what, is that what we are busy doing while we're here. You know, are, are you willing to, to bear whatever reproach might be upon you for Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, when was the last time you opened your mouth and told somebody about the Savior? When was the last time you gave somebody a gospel tract? Uh, when was the last time that, that you sat down and, and it took some time to witness uh, to someone about the Lord? 
you know, everyone is not going to be at peace with you when you do it. And, and sometimes I find folks get upset because, well, they say, well, you know, when I start to witness, people get upset. Well, again, understand they're not getting upset with you. They're getting upset with the truth. And I realize you're taking the brunt of it. But that's why the Lord Jesus said, said uh, we need to lose our lives. Uh, we need to say, listen, it's not my life, it's your life. And I'm willing to go through whatever is necessary to go through to get out the gospel. Uh, you know, folks uh, get an impression whenever they meet us. And what impression are you giving? What impression am I giving? When people meet us, do they understand who we are? And when I say understand who we are, we are ambassadors. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. And that needs to be made clear. And we're the ones that clarify that. We're the ones. So there's four areas of importance when it comes to witnessing. First of all, the apprehension. Uh, don't fear the people you're talking to. Fear the God that, that, could, that could and will send their soul to hell for all eternity if they don't trust Christ as Savior. And have compassion on them. Secondly, confession. You know, be willing to open your mouth. Uh, yes, we ought to have a life. And our life ought to back up our witness. And yes, we need to pass out tracts. No doubt about it. But we need to open our mouth and confess Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then, then thirdly, division. You know, don't, don't be surprised when that comes. And I, I've watched it over the years. I've seen it. I've seen it in my family. In my family, it's not been near as drastic as, uh, as I've seen it in other families. Uh, I've seen real antagonism. But I've also seen in some of those situations, people come to know Christ as Savior just because somebody took a stand and was, was willing to lose their own life so that someone else could hear the gospel. And then last of all, representation. You know, understand every day, everywhere you are, everywhere you go, you represent Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would get a hold of the concept of being a witness and being a testimony. It's not something we do on visitation night. It's not something we do when, when uh, summertime comes around and we go door to door. Uh, yeah, we, we give out the gospel those times, but God, you don't expect us just to punch the gospel time clock during those times. You expect us to be an active witness all the time. And everybody that we come in contact with, uh, Lord, uh, we're responsible for. And again, if we don't give them the gospel, probably nobody in this town will. And Lord, yes, we're, you know, we're, we're a small group of people, but we can have a tremendous impact on Cayuga County and on Auburn, New York, if we just simply be the witnesses that you've called us to be. Father, I pray that you'd help us to get a hold of these attitudes and get a hold of these expectations and, and just dedicate ourselves tonight uh, strongly and firmly to be a witness and a testimony and, and willingly and openly confess Christ to others. 
of fearing God more than we fear man. And God, we pray that you'd work in this invitation and, and uh, have, have an effect on our life. Help us just to make some decisions to, to decide to be a testimony for you and to tell others about you for us. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.